he was nervous. But then that nervousness was actually he was afraid that someone in class would do something to hurt him because of his skin color. Welcome back to Life with Games podcast. I am Emmanuel. And I'm Esther. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, we are so grateful that you found us um, and chose to tune in. Feel free to go back and listen to the first few episodes um, where you can get to know us a little bit better. Um, Esther is my wonderful, wonderful, amazing wife of nine and a half years, and we have four beautiful rambunctious children. Rambunctious. <laughs> yep. Uh, we start every episode with the best thing I've heard this week. So, Esther... What's the best thing you've heard this week? The best thing I heard was not the most comfortable thing. I was sick on Thursday, um, but homeschool doesn't really stop on that level. I mean, it stops if I'm like really, really sick, but I was like, well, got to do it. But it was not a good day. It was not a, I didn't yell, but I was definitely not cordial. I was not lovable or loving. You were mean. (laughs) I was mean. I was short. And so um, really felt convicted about that on Friday. So the best thing that I'm talking about or referring to is in the van when I asked the kids, should I apologize for your Thursday? And they were like, yes. <laughs> I actually recorded a Insta story on two aiming for arrows, which is my Instagram account. And I asked them, I was like, did mommy depend on God Thursday? And they were like, no. And then I was like, well, do you think mommy's depending on God today? And they're like, yeah. So it was really good to hear their honesty, to see them like process that. Mm. Um, and to see the difference and to know like when mommy's depending on God and when I'm not. You know, they're going to call you out on it next time. Oh, yeah. I mean, they do it now. We just got to work on how to do it respectfully because, you know, don't don't get it twisted. I'm still your mama. (laughs) (laughs) What is your best thing you've heard this week? Um, For me, it would have to be and this is not to sound deep or spiritual, but it is hearing the gospel um, from last Sunday with it being Easter Sunday, um, and just the message mm, of the gospel. Yeah. Um, and then even at our community group Monday oh, night, yeah. um, we were just able to hear your story and one of the other brothers in our community group hearing his story. Um, just being reminded of how God save souls, how he alone is able to draw hearts to him. Um, It's just been a refreshing thing to hear this week um, because I know for me, like it was a challenging week um, emotionally just because hearing about um, different young people who have died, um, different reasons, um, there was one girl who drowned that was from, you know, here in our local city. Um, it was two kids that drowned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
the girl, I don't remember where she was, um, but that was jumped and ended up having a tumor and died oh, because of yeah. it. Um, like just hearing stuff like that. Um, it was a heavy week, but just clinging to the gospel. Um, so that was definitely the best thing I heard this week was that God is still in the business of saving souls. Yeah, that's a good one. Monday night was amazing. Group time. Yeah. So today's topic, we are um, going to talk about something that's always a conversation in our house and is probably a conversation in your house if you are the parent of a black boy. Um, And so our topic tonight is navigating parenthood in terms of raising black boys whose existence is seen as a threat. Say that again. (laughs) Our topic tonight is navigating parenthood to raise black boys whose existence is seen as a threat. So what, um, I guess, what was a recent event that happened that like where we started talking about this or chewing on this topic more? Yeah, I think it was definitely um, the situation that happened with the kid Luca um, Mm. as Hopefully most of you have heard, um, but if not, there was a 15-year-old kid who was at um, McDonald's with another large group of kids. Um, There was a fight going on, typical high school stuff, um, and the police were there. And one of the kids that was being arrested, that was in the fight, um, dropped his phone, and Luca went to pick it up, and he was um, consequently sprayed with pepper spray and roughly abused and taken to the ground and arrested and charged, even though he did nothing wrong, um, did not break a single law. Um, and so the way this was brought to me, um, was I had just gotten home. Um, I was out running some errands and it took me a minute to come inside cause I was trying to finish some stuff outside. Um, and when I come in, Esther's in the kitchen and I couldn't even put the keys down, couldn't even put the stuff down in my hands. Um, and she just came and wrapped her arms around me and just broke down crying in my chest. Um, didn't say anything. So I didn't know in that moment what was going on. Um, but after being there for a moment, um, you had mentioned the kid Luca, um, didn't go into detail, but it was just heavy on you to the mm. point where you were crying. Um, and then afterwards I went and kind of read or looked it up and saw what had happened. Um, so Esther, what, like, why was that your reaction? Um, and I assumed that like you had been, you saw it earlier and then I guess held it in until I got home, um, <laughs> Try. Yes. Try. Um, unfortunately, this event is not abnormal in society. It hasn't been for the last ever. Ever. Um, but I think, as we all know, with the age that we're in, in terms of technology and social media and video recordings, these incidences are becoming more accessible. Um, And so 
I almost feel like it's like PTSD. Like I see something in the news. I'm kind of like, oh gosh, what's happening? I kind of like already know what's, what's going on. But at the same time, it's just different. Um, it's hard. And so with this one, it was harder because this was a 15 year old who visually did not do anything wrong. Like picked up it like did a good deed picked up a friend's phone um complied was wasn't like aggressive like nothing Mm -hmm. um and all i could see was the boys faces like all i could see was our sons all i could see was like other people's black boys um and i'm like well dang what am i supposed to tell them now like lay down beat yourself and then maybe it will be okay. You know what I mean? Like, mm. there is, I don't know what else to say for this not to happen. Yeah. And I think that's why it hit me so hard because I'm like, well, what's our options now? It reminded me of the day Philando Castile was murdered. When that footage came out of Mm. him being in the car with his girlfriend and his daughter and being shot point blank. Daughter in the background, you see the blood, you see him gasping for air, did absolutely nothing wrong. And like the way I responded then with just tears and screaming and wailing, like because the kids were in the house this week and there was just so much going on, then they're like... I was doing that on the inside. So when you came home, like that's all I needed to do was just collapse, like just to fall in your arms and be like, one, thank God you're home. And two, like, I, this is hard. It's harder and harder to process this stuff. Um, Like for the longest, like it was just hard to even allow me to feel, um, anything beyond angry. Mm. Um, Like I know as a believer, like we are called to mourn with those who mourn. Um, Mm. But there have been times where I have tried not to read the details of stuff or look at the videos because I just didn't feel like I was in a space to handle it correctly. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, so it was it was hard watching this video of Luca as well. Um, And initially, um, was definitely angry about it and just spent the day processing it. Um, But it wasn't until I was getting ready. I was putting the boys to bed um, because I think you had to work that night or something. Mm -hmm. You were out. Um, And so I was before I put the boys to bed, uh, before I put the kids to bed. I put them all, put them in a circle on the floor um, and do like I do ever so often and just ask them one by one, who are you? Mm. Um, Whose image were you created in? Um, What about the people that you come in contact with? And this is something that we talk about on a consistent basis. Um, And after we went through that whole discussion, um, without going into explicit detail Um, I told them about Luca. Um, You know, there was a kid who 
had done nothing wrong, um, but he was hurt. Um, and I think I shared some, maybe some other minor details about it. Um, and it was in sharing that and talking to them a little bit afterwards, um, like I began to see their faces in Luca. Mm. Um, and like it took everything in me not to break down crying in that moment. Um, and even in retrospect, I was like, it may have been even healthy for them to see their father cry yeah. over that. Um, but yeah, it was, that wasn't an easy day. Um, and I think that is kind of what sparked this conversation. Like we knew at some point we were going to have a podcast, um, talking about raising black boys in oh, today's yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, but I think in light of current events, um, it kind of just sped it up. So here we are <laughs> talking about it. Um, so I guess that leads to a question of like, how long will our sweet, cute, handsome boys be seen as sweet, cute, handsome, innocent? Because <laughs> we get compliments all the time. Like, oh my gosh. You know, they're so handsome or he's so cute or whatever the case may be. But the reality is. One day those same people will be terrified of our sons. Right. Just a mere presence. Like it is. Yeah. Like there have been numerous times where we've been out um, and it's usually some older Caucasian lady. I was like, your boys are just so cute or. They're so well behaved or whatever, whatever. Um, And in my mind, like I kind of cringe because I'm like, what will they say in five years when our kids are, you know, 13, when they're 11? Taller, Um, more muscular. Yeah. When they got a little mustache shadow on the top lip, Um, (laughs) when their voice drops a little bit, Mm -hmm. like at what point? Are they no longer seen as cute and innocent, but they become a threat? And I mean, I feel like media is already telling us at one point. If you think about all of the like from on the playground park playing with the play gun, how old was he? Tamir Rice, he was 11, I think. Okay, you think about, I mean, so many incidents. And there are incidences that are not broadcast nationally of kids in private schools chased down by the police for whatever reason. Like, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic level. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. It doesn't matter to me, like, even the age now. Like, I have seen photos and i did a spoken word piece on this of two boys who are under the age of 10 and we've talked about this in like school settings who are handcuffed beside police officers and it's like okay (laughs) what did they do to have to be handcuffed and they are docile right now like i don't i don't I feel like society is already telling us right now what age they are a threat. And that's scary because the age is getting younger and younger to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's hard knowing that like our kids are creeping. Well, it seems like both the age is dropping and our boys are getting older. So it is like this reality is coming so much faster each and every year. Right. Um, Because it used to be, you know, it's not something you worry about until they're 16, 17 in high school. Um, But now it's like, no, like JC could have this issue, you know, in the next year or two because we've seen it. I feel like we are, in a sense, robbing them of their childhood, which we'll kind of get to a little bit, like Mm -hmm. how much do we actually share with them about current events and stuff like that. Um, but like, I mean, I remember when we took the kids, um, to the zoo on a school field trip and during a lunch break, um, the boys, the two older boys were like, there were a bunch of kids playing and there were these two, um, Caucasian girls, two classmates, um, who were just being very aggressive with the boys, like wrestling the way that our, our boys, boys wrestle <laughs> at home. Um, and they were wrestling with um, our sons. And like, I eventually told them to stop because I mean, our boys at that point, like they were just trying to survive. Like they knew they weren't supposed to be rough they with know. females. Do not lay um, hands. But like these girls were just like super aggressive, like wrestling, pulling them to the ground and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, like in no other scenario at no other point in their life will they be seen as the victim of this situation and not to say that they were victims in that but like they were not the aggressors like they were trying to um get the girls off of them um but like any other situation it would have ended up bad for our boys um and so it's just like knowing this reality it's hard to um, I don't know. It's hard to process it sometimes because um, I was sitting there talking to another father, um, another black father, and I was like, "Man, like, at no other point in life will would this be okay?" Um. So when you talk about like when you shared the news about justice for Luca, and when we have talked about past events that have happened with young men or women and police. Can you kind of talk about like how we do that? Um, what that looks like? Um, I think it depends on kind of the situation. Um, like this one with Luca, um, like I didn't feel like it was necessary to, um, tell the boys that it was a police officer um, that assaulted Luca. Um, you didn't, I didn't. Um, and the reason I didn't is because the way that I am, um, and this is just kind of the way where I am right now. Um, cause I think before we did go into detail about, you know, the police that did this police that did mm-hmm. that. Um, but I realized that that created a fear in the boys of police. I do remember um, that because when we, yeah. Like they were, like they, when they were saying, saw the lights. Yeah, they would say police and firemen were the bad guys. Um, and so I didn't want that to be the narrative um, that they were kind of running with in their minds. Um, and so the way that I approached it was that um, there were men who 
did not see the Imago Dei in Luca. Um, they did not understand that Luca too was made in the image of God. And because they didn't understand that, they did not treat him as such. Um, because that's something that we are talking to the boys about on a consistent basis is, um, knowing that, you know, you're made in the image of God and those that you encounter are made in the image of God. So that should drive the way that you treat them. Um, and if they know that, then it would drive the way that they treat you. But if they don't know that, then, you know, they're likely to treat you any which way. Um, and so that's the way that I approached it with the Luca situation. I don't know if, I don't know. I don't feel like maybe you should have, I don't know. I, I think if I can remember in other instances where I did say police officers, but I may, I was intentional in saying like, police officers who made good decisions and police officers who made bad decisions. Mm. Because I think that's the biggest weight on these situations is that there are people who are supposed to be workers of justice. There are people who are supposed to represent a just law system, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but they are making bad decisions and they're misrepresenting that. And it's those people um, who are make like hurting um, black boys and black men and black women. Um, because I don't, I don't know. I feel like not, and I know it depends on the child, like the ages, the comprehension and all that, but I don't want to create this picture that it's just, anybody or it's i mean i get what you're saying like these were i mean because at the end of the day it is anybody like i think in these situations that we're seeing in the news um like this one with luca mm -hmm. like it definitely was the police against civilian um, right but i don't um i think partly because knowing elijah as the youngest and he was in this conversation True. and um, knowing what he's able to process and keep True. and kind of filter through. Um, Elijah's four, by the way. Yeah. And so I think it was important for them because the point I was trying to make was not that there are good police and bad police. The Because at the end of the day, like there are um, those that see you as creating an image of God and those that don't. And those that don't, whether they be police, whether they be your neighbor, whether mm -hmm. they be your schoolmate, your principal, whatever, um, like those are the ones that we need to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what that was what I was trying to make a point of. Like it wasn't. Um, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I kind of left out the fact that they were a police officer. Um, but, you know, in certain scenarios and certain conversations, like we do bring it up. Um, I do tell them that, you know, it was an officer that shot this unarmed man, um, that there are good police, bad police, all of that. Um, but just in this situation, um, that wasn't the point I was trying to make. Got it. Gotcha. Um, so I guess that now brings up like, how has the talk been evolutionized? Because 
I mean, I feel like that's changed. And the talk, uh, what we're referring to is, oh, is the conversation that parents, guardians of color have with their kids as related to the do's and don'ts of interacting with certain groups of people whether it be police officers, whether it be um, white people, whether it be in a store, in a store, what you do and don't do where your hands are and where they are not. Like, I feel like with these events, we've, we have been vigilant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think at times like we've been um, hyper vigilant, like a little over vigilant. Yeah, um, like because I remember, and I mean, and that's, and I don't apologize for that. Um, like I remember when everything happened with um, Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. and like after that happened, I don't know if we communicated it, but like I think the stance we took was one: there were no nerf guns None outside whatsoever um like you don't you play with that stuff inside we didn't even um, buy them for a period like I, we we did but we had these back and forth conversations and then they like water guns they had to look a certain way they yeah. had to be a certain color and they had to look a certain way yeah we didn't get anything that could ever mistakenly be seen as real um and like it was just like we didn't want anything to cause something to pop off um and so like we were just over vigilant with that um what with- color hoodies we bought them i think elijah was the first one to actually have a black hoodie and he's the only one that's had a black hoodie. When the when we go in the stores, I always tell the boys, we're not outside. Take the hoodie off your head. No. Um, I tell them. I used to tell them to put their hands in their pocket because it would keep them from touching stuff. But I like I now I tell them, put your hands behind your back. Don't put your hands in your pocket. Leave all your toys in the car because I don't want anybody to mistake you playing with a toy in your pocket that's from the store. Yeah. Like, you're not allowed. And I think that, like... It's so like, bad. I, yeah, like, I mean, I, I understand. I mean, because we got the same talk. Like, <laughs> don't look at none. Don't touch none. Don't pick up none. We're going in this store for A, B, and C. Don't you ask for nothing. Like, I mean, we've we've had those talks for generations. Um, but, like, for me, it starts to get hard when, um, when it comes down to, like, not letting them express who they are. Like when it comes to clothes, mm. like as JC, like he's a super chill, like he's a hoodie kid. He is. Um, and so like trying to taper, like be you, be your authentic self. But at the same time, you have to understand that because you are being yourself, people will see you as a certain way. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's a hard road to navigate um, because like I am, I am one, I think since high school, college, like 
I would intentionally be the one to go in with my hood on, with my hat down into stores and stuff like that. Like, look at me. Like, I'm not here to steal anything. I'm here to buy. You brave. Um, I mean, <laughs> I get it. Part, of it, part of it was arrogance. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that I was Ugh. just like humble trying to be an example. It was like, no, like I'm black and I'm not going to bow who I am to make you feel more comfortable. Um, and so like trying to just trying to navigate that with the boys, like letting them be themselves, letting them wear hats and hoodies, but at the same time having this conversation to say, Hey, because you are wearing this, people will look at you a certain way. Um, and then there are some settings where like, we just want to be wise and take that extra step Yeah. to say, you know, no hoodie to say, you know, don't wear this, don't take this. Um, but it's like I said, it's coming to the point where it doesn't matter what you wear. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about kids. I mean, they have uniforms for school. And you're talking about high school kids from elite private schools who are being assaulted by teachers, by security officers, by police officers. Like I'm saying, like it doesn't matter about anything like your skin is your clothes and I'm not changing that. I can't change that. You're going to learn to love it and not be afraid that you have it. Mm. Oh, Lord, the talk, talk, to talk, to talk. I think that, I mean, there was one incident where when JC was in the co-op where he took like science classes and mm. whatever, and it was a majority white thing. And it was an, it's an amazing opportunity. They get to have classes about cooking and science and astrology and just PE, like a whole bunch of stuff. If you homeschool. And there was one morning when I was dropping him off and he kind of just had like a mellow demeanor. And I was like, what's wrong, bud? And we had this conversation because he told me that he was nervous. But then that nervousness was actually he was afraid that someone in class would do something to hurt him because of his skin color. And automatically, I was like, oh, did somebody say anything? Why do you feel that way? And he was like, because there's only to people who are black or minority and everybody else is white. And I don't know if we had watched something for Black History Month or we had had cocoa and conversation. Like, I don't know if maybe we had read something recently about, you know, African-American history and that led to it. But like, I honestly feel like that was it. That was not the case. Like it was legitimate, isolated thought. And so we talked through it. Um, I asked him questions. He told me how he felt. We went to the word. We prayed. But honestly, after I left, I had to pull over and cry because I'm like, this boy is only at the time seven years old and already feels racism, already feels the fear, already feels the anxiety. And I ended up texting a friend who grew up in like, a majority white context, just like, when did you identify? Like, when did this moment happen to you? And they said at the same age, Mm. they noticed a difference. 
And I was like, so what emotions did you have to process? And it was like anger, isolation, fear. And I was like, well, what can I tell my son? And so like, that was a hard moment for me as a mom to realize that there is something that my, that is harming quote unquote, my son that I have no power to control, but I can control his response. I can like assist him with perspective, which I think leads into like, I guess for us as parents, (laughs) how does, how does our faith lead us through this whole thing of parenting well, three black boys and now a black daughter. Yeah. It starts, I mean, it starts in Genesis. Um, like, I don't remember if there was an event or kind of how it came up. Um, but at some point over the last year, year and a half, um, like I've just kind of dove into this um, theology of Imago Day and kind of what that means for us. Um, And so like I've been vigilant to teach the boys what Imago Dei is and that they are created in the image of God um, and their blackness is made in the image of God. And it's not something to be ashamed of, not something to hate, not something to shy away from, but to fully embrace um, because that's, the way God made you and God didn't make any, he didn't, he didn't make a mistake when he made the skin tone. Yes. That he Lord. gave you. Um, they get it from their daddy and their mommy together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so I think it's teaching like one, us understanding Imago Day. Oh yeah. Um, because I think we, well, I know I've gone through like growing up, struggles with embracing being as dark as I am. Um, but you're not that dark, but I'm going to respect. I'm the darkest one in my family. Are you? Yes. Um, and so I, I had to hear, you know, different jokes growing up. Um, and so like there were, yeah, I had issues with my skin color growing up. Um, and so it took, years to embrace it and love the color of my skin and um i'll be doggone if my sons have to spend the same amount of time that it took me to embrace who i am who god created me to be um and so like understanding imago day um is helping us helping us to filter through and have these conversations um i think also for me it's fighting fear fear is i think i told you the other day like i didn't i have this underlying mindset that i don't think i'm gonna grow old yeah and see us grow together see our sons grow and our grandbabies like there's this underlying fear of death and it's not that i'm not gonna go on to glory like I'm embracing heaven. I'm fully believing I will be there, but it's like what I will miss here. And I, and I realized in that, like I have a fear of you, something happening to you and something happening to our kids because of um, the color of their skin. 
And I've had to fight that with scripture. I've had to fight that um, with prayer. Like, cause that has at times been like, okay, today we're just going to like chill in the neighborhood, chill in the house. Um, just, and in my mind, it's because I'm so overwhelmed with, well, I want to go to this side of town and this side of town, we've had some issues before, or this side of town is kind of like stay close or just these things like these lies, these harassing thoughts. Um, which is why, like you said earlier, like I, I, sometimes I can't watch the videos. I can't read the police reports because it, I, I, I'm the type of person that like, I just replay it with my sons. And so the only thing that has sustained me is the word is prayer is communication with you and community group. Yeah. And combating that, um, combating fear and that fight to kind of get over fear, um, is like trusting in the sovereignty of God. Mm. Um, like knowing that nothing happens good, bad, and different apart from his allowance. Um, and so like, as we are navigating, as we are teaching our boys, as we are having these conversations with ourselves, um, it's understanding at the end of the day, um, God knows exactly what's going to happen. Right. Um, God knew exactly what was going to happen to Luca. God knew exactly what was going to happen to Philando. God knew exactly what was going to happen to Trayvon. God knew exactly what was going to happen to, um, uh, Emmett Till. I mean, just going, you know, back into history. Like God knew exactly what would happen. And at the end of the day, like our resolve must be in that if, and it's, it's not easy to say. This is so hard. It's not so easy hard. to say, uh, but it's what we stand on is that like, if God allows our sons to be a hashtag, if God allows me to become a hashtag for oh. whatever thing, like that's his sovereign plan. And in some way he is glorified in that um, and I think the only thing that keeps me, like the only reason why I believe that is his history in my life. Mm. Like the only reason I believe in the sovereignty of God is because I see his sovereignty from before. And I know that he's in the details yeah. and that I know he will work all things out according to his riches and glory. Like that is the only reason. So then it this is what this is why I want the boys to have the hope that we have. Because I don't see how I just don't see how you could live in our society right now, in our culture, without having the hope of Jesus, who is the son of a sovereign God. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it made me think of um it made me think of Israelites. It made me think of mm. even like our history, like our ancestors as slaves. Like if you think about it, um, like the Israelites, those that were um, enslaved in year 125, like they never saw mm. the promised land, but they still had hope. Yeah. Um, if you think of our ancestors, like those that were um still enslaved in the 1700s 
Like they never saw the end of slavery, mm-hmm. um, but yet they hoped, yet they had faith, yet they did not give up. Oh, um, people's and strong. like, I don't, like, I honestly don't see the end of like racism and the stuff that's going on in our nation. Mm-hmm. Like I do not see the end of it in our lifetime, but yet I will hope and believe that like God is working in this, that God will bring justice. Um, even if it's long after you're long after we're gone and in glory with him. Um, but it is having the, the faith to believe that God is working in the midst of it. Um, like it, yeah, it gives us hope. It gives me hope, um, to not succumb to fear, to not succumb to, um, just this over anxious heart that is paralyzed and won't allow my children to live, um, Mm. won't allow my children to be themselves and discover, you know, who they are, what they love. Right. Um, and just go out and live. Right. Um, That's good. That's really good. So with all of this, um, we've, we've had to be really, um, I guess intentional with our sons and explaining like who God created them to be and teaching them. And there's a couple of things that we do. You just mentioned the teaching about Imago Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that is really foundational. I mean, obviously that's going to be founded in their confession of faith in Christ, but like our job is to train them. And so that's where we are with that. Um, One thing that we are also really big on, which is something, this is how I grew up, was um, representation. And that has come in many different ways, whether it's us buying books and not just like black history books, (laughs) but buying fiction books, buying mystery books that involve black characters, Um, watching like TV shows, especially like that new cute one on Netflix. The Motown. Yes. Um, that are based, that's, you know, it's a black family culture and everything. Um, just being intentional with representation and beyond just sports and music, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it, it almost made me think of, um, it was a blackish episode where I think it was like around Christmas time or something mm-hmm. when Dre wanted to, um, like he wanted their family to watch like all these black oh, movies yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like, like I'm not to that extreme, but like <laughs> for our movie nights on Friday night, like I am constantly looking for movies where there are black characters. Like even mm. if, even if the kids may not um, be interested in watching the movie, like we're going to watch this. Like the <laughs> night we watched, um, a wrinkle in time. Oh yeah. Like they weren't too thrilled. Like justice wanted to watch it, but the other two weren't too thrilled yeah. to watch it. Um, but I was like, look, like black characters, black <laughs> characters, we're going to watch it. Like, I don't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. And I mean, they ultimately enjoyed it, but like just taking that step to put before them, I'm um, not just fictional characters in movies and books. And not but just even, like, 1860s, 1900s, famous, the only well-known black history people. Yeah, but like people that um, that could 
where they can see themselves exactly. doing that. Yes. Um, like even with um, like Black History Month, like I know you've been very good and diligent over the last few years with um, like showing them people. Um, and I think this last year you did like inventors. Yes. And so like because our boys are super creative, love building and, you know, figuring stuff out. Um, and so this year, like allowing them to see like, look, like you can do this, too. Like it's not it's not just for um, like what 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 culture shows us mm. maybe, you know, is represented by majority culture. Right. But like there are countless people of color doing these things and you can aspire to them right? Like, because they constantly see black people playing sports and doing music. Exactly. But I want them to see us represented in every sphere, like no matter what it is, if you want to be a doctor, a musician, if you want to be an inventor, if you want to be um, a president, yeah, president, like yeah. these things, like we are representing all these things. So we're diligent to show us represented in these areas. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we're um, intentional about is the word. Um, Romans 12 is something I, I have talked with the boys. And that's the passage that starts with love. Let love be genuine. And it talks about outdoing one another and showing honor. Um, it talks about blessing those who persecute you, live in harmony with one another, um, repay no evil for evil. And these are hard sayings, like Jesus said. Um, this is a passage that also talks about when vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so this is our foundation. This is our belief. This is what we're wanting to share with the boys in hopes that they will make their own personal confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And we want to be blunt with them. The reality is the color of your skin in America and even across the world is not some is something that some people will say to you is bad, but we are going to tell you the truth mm -hmm. um, about what that actually means, and so and that starts with us, with the Word, the Creator, the, the God who made you, and knows you better than you know yourself and anybody else in this world. Yeah, so I think I mean at the end of the day, um, it is like. Our kids, our oldest son is eight, getting ready to turn nine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and so we are just at the beginning of this journey of raising um, black boys in today's culture. Um, and so these conversations that we've had to this point um, with ourselves, with our children, they're ever evolving um, as yeah. we learn and grow as our convictions um, are strengthened as they change, um, as we grow. Um, so like it is just a constant communication. It's a continual conversation that we are having, um, with ourselves and with our children. Um, and so like our aim with this episode was just to share kind of where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there are other parents who are ahead of us, other parents who are behind us, maybe they're just getting started, um, kids younger than us. Um, and so like one, give us, some, give us some help. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, at the end of the day, like we don't know it all. Um, we are learning and growing. Um, so like if you've had 
these conversations with your children, if you've seen them grow, um, if your kids are older, um, like what does this look like for you guys now for you? If, if you have sons who are teenagers at this point, um, like what does this look like for you now? What kind of conversations are you having with your children? Um, because we are, we're not winging it, but we're winging it. <laughs> On the wings of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, so I'm glad we had this conversation. I feel, yeah, this is good. Oh, this is good. I need to go pray. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll cut it there. Um, I'm sure we'll revisit this conversation as we continue this podcast. So thank you for listening. To this episode. I hope you were um, encouraged or challenged or at least came to understand our story just a little bit better. Or even irritated or frustrated or mad. We welcome That's all. cool too. <laughs> if you have not already, um, be sure to subscribe. We are live on iTunes Woo-hoo. now so you can find us there. Life with Gains podcast. Um, and the more that people subscribe and comment and rate our podcast, especially on iTunes. Um, mm-hmm. It makes us more findable. Um, it makes it easier for people who aren't right now in our circle. Um, it makes it easier for them to find us. Um, so please, if you haven't already subscribe, like comment, um, share with a friend, somebody that you think would um, benefit from this podcast um, whether they are single, married, whatever, young, old, whatever, um, black, white, whatever, um, tell them to join us on this journey. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at, I always mess this part up. Life. Sh- <laughs> I should know our Instagram, right? Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Life with Gains Podcast. You can follow me at Life with underscore Emmanuel. And you can follow me at two aiming for arrows. And on that note, I'm Emmanuel. And I'm Esther. Join us next time as together we shuffle through this crazy life with games. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Bye, y'all.